everyone. Welcome to We Love Lucy. I'm Allison Werma. I'm Corinne Eckhart. I'm Molly Lyons. We're talking about the pilot episode called The Girls Want to Go to a Nightclub. All the episodes that we're going to be focusing on in this podcast are episodes that are easily accessible online. If you have Hulu or if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch a good percentage of all of the I Love Lucy episodes that exist. However, not all 194 episodes are available online. This one is one of the ones that is not included online, but we wanted to focus on it because it is the first episode that aired. Exactly. The pilot, it sets the tone, and so we just want to go over it. But it's a pretty well-known episode, so I think a lot of our viewers, if you're fans of I Love Lucy... Uh, have already seen it and if you're not I believe you can find it somewhere on the internet if you do enough digging also what's kind of fun about this episode is that they seem to have arrived at their formula pretty early in the show's production because so many of the things that happen here end up becoming staples of many episodes and the series in general so it should be really fun to get into it it was recorded on September 15th 1951 and it aired October 15th 1951 The summary is, Lucy and Ethel disguise themselves as hillbillies when the men and women can't decide how to celebrate the Mertz's 18th wedding anniversary. Okay, so the show opens and the ladies start in the kitchen. Guys, what do we think? Naturally. Establishing gender roles from the first second. (laughs) Yeah, they're washing dishes. They they seem to be, from the get-go, sort of poking fun at Lucy's ability to be a traditional housewife Mm -hmm. because she, like, doesn't even know how to properly wash a dish. Yeah. Like, oops, there's gravy on this. So I think it's interesting the way that they're kind of setting her up to be atypical. And we need to discuss their get-ups at this particular moment because... What are they wearing? How do you... I don't know. Headscarves. They both yes. have headscarves on. Is she wearing a raincoat? Like, what is she See, wearing? <laughs> so her dress in this episode, I thought the same thing. Like, it looks like a coat, like a house coat. Yeah. But they have guests over, and so I think it was just a dress, and it's just oddly Shaped. cut. Yeah. yeah. We do we do have a, a costumer in our midst, so yes. Corinne will have a lot to say in regards to clothing. <laughs> I work as a professional costumer. I mostly watch for the clothes. <laughs> Lucy's wearing an apron, which I thought was... A cute little touch. Do you wash dishes in an apron anymore? No, I barely wash dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had one. Maybe I would do my dishes more. I know. I need an apron. So that scene, Lucy says a pretty uh, well-quoted line uh, <laughs> since, which is, Ever since we said I do, there are so many things we don't. It's very suggestive, at least, or maybe our 2016 heads are just in the gutter, but I think it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek and a little bit risque for the type of things people would say on TV at that time. I think at the marital bed. And there's so much about marriage. I feel like all the other context I have for comedy at this time is like, take my wife, please. And so this show started. <laughs> Am I wrong? That's Your what, voice. That's how people talked back then, right? No, but immediately the first thing we have is like, let's meet all of our characters, and they're all bitching about being married. And I was like, oh, cool. That's what comedy is. Well, honestly, not much has changed then. And we definitely get two very different portraits of a marriage between the two couples, which is fascinating. Yeah, from minute one, Fred's already putting down Ethel, and she's not even in the room with them. Right. It's like a dude needs a therapist. Yes. <laughs> Poor Fred. He also needs a better pair of pants and tie. A tie that's not stuck in his pants. Yeah, how high what? are his pants? <laughs> it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyone else think it was weird that they were like, you need to celebrate our anniversary with us. They don't want to be alone with each other. <laughs> we know that Lucy and Ricky have separate beds, but Ethel and Fred probably have separate bedrooms. 
Yeah, I feel like that Lucy and Ricky push the beds together a lot. They're so bad. <laughs> Just trying to be close. <laughs> Some of the things that they say, though, just like I took notes of things that were just jumped out at me. as like, well, that's a strange way to talk about that. But he talks about his, his anniversary, like a grim reminder of a tragedy that took place. And that we if we were going to if we were to go out with them, we'd have to tie them up in sacks and carry them in. And it's like, what is going on with this man? Ladies are to be carried. Just Honestly, a, unless there's a puddle or something over a threshold, <laughs> over a threshold. Well, there's the whole theory. It was on Gawker that Ariana Grande likes to be carried around <laughs> like I a get human it. adult baby. She's a tiny lady. She is small, and she wears big shoes. Like it's probably exhausting. <laughs> Speaking of physical comedy, which we're gonna we're gonna hit on a lot in this podcast, but the first moment of it we see in this pilot episode is Fred and Ethel with the chairs. Yes, when you know it's just like casual. Lucy sits on Ricky's lap like a, any normal situation, and then Fred and Ethel can't seem to get it together. And Fred their physical up, chemistry is just so so dizzying. Fred ends up on top of her, but not like their bodies have never touched before. Plops down. He's like, his the look on his face is not someone who's enjoying himself, despite him being kind of abusive. <laughs> As we discussed in our first episode, they had an acrimonious relationship offset, so that's probably contributing to this. But the audience loves it. Yeah, Yeah, they're eating it up. It's working. Though one of my favorite, this is, there's comedy mind from Desi's accent, and one of my first favorite moments is when he's, we'll be sweet to them, we'll smush them up. (laughs) And I was like, that should be a thing that people say. He goes, and then yeah, Fred goes, smooch, smooch, smooch them up. <laughs> so it's like, are they? They're smooching, is what he's smooch or sm- they're smushing. I just imagine them like, sm- like squeezing them. I was the air like a snuggle. I don't know, but it, I was like, whatever's happening here, I'm on board. Linguistically, I like it. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to smush them up. Smooching. Hashtag, hashtag smushing. <laughs> Please tweet at us. <laughs> Get at us. Um, but also, it becomes a bit very quickly in this episode, and I think in the whole series, where they'll just have Fred yelling for no reason, where he's like, "Everyone, remain calm," yeah, or like, "Sit down, grumpy dude." That's his signature move. So the the second physical comedy bit is all four of them with the cigarettes and the lighters. You mm-hmm. want a lighter? You want a lighter? I just want to shout out a reminder that Philip Morris sponsors the show. Yes, and I love that. Did anyone else notice that they all had lighters except for Viv, who had a a, a matchbook. She wasn't even allowed to have a, a lighter. Oh, I didn't notice that. Wow. But they all had them on hand. Like, I guess back then people just kept those big fancy lighters Ooh. in their pocket. Well, they all seem to smoke, which it would be controversial today. In the house. I kept in thinking, the like, their furniture must just stink. Ugh. I feel like probably at this time period, every single place you went to just reeked. I wonder if all four of those actors actually smoked or if some of them did it just on camera. Mm, that's a good question. When they don't recognize their wives like i thought that stretched to the the realm of possibility yeah, in real life. they yeah. don't recognize their wives until lucy reaches for the cigarettes right and so she that, knows where they are that was a moment where it was like their disguises were like it's like superman like he wears glasses and he's clark kent and he takes them off and he's superman and nobody like can tell in between mm-hmm. so i i mean obviously they use that in other pop culture right it's like in what's the she's all that 
<laughs> she takes her glasses off. She's a beautiful woman suddenly. Yeah. Right, or she's the man that Amanda Bynes. Yeah. Oh That's an amazing film. Very <gasps> underrated. Guys, if, if you're playing bingo based on this episode, then you should have had <laughs> that we would mention she's the man. <laughs> First Amanda Bynes reference. <laughs> we love Lucy Bingo. Wait, that's so interesting. That's like a very like that's a movie I feel like has a lot of physical comedy too. Yeah. We draw some inspiration from Lucille Ball. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely a woman who's not being vain. Yes. As a performer. Yes. Um, Lucy's everywhere. Her like performance her, DNA is everywhere. Her legacy lives on. <laughs> Do you think that Fred and Ethel just had like no friends in their building until Lucy and Ricky moved in? I think he was holding her hostage. I think. It was probably a really bleak life for Ethel. Thank God for Lucy. Oh my God, thank God. Yeah. You know what is really crazy about this is that like Ricky and Lucy, when Fred and Ethel are sitting on the couch and Ricky and Lucy are going back and forth, they're not the star couple of this story because it's Fred and Ethel's anniversary, but it's almost like they think so much alike sometimes that they just, like, build on top of each other uh-huh. to escalate. For sure. I think we're going to see that a lot yes. in coming episodes. Well, and the fact that they both end up calling this woman Ginny Jones. Yeah. Can we talk about Ginny Jones for a second? Who is she? She's a New York madam, I think. She does. She knows all the men, all the women. She's a versatile woman. Where is the Ginny Jones of 2016? We're all our own Ginny Jones. Well, apparently. <laughs> one of my favorite things was when Ethel was like, there's no place where millions of single women haven't already looked for single men and I'm like it's true in 1951 and it's true in 2016 the same is later in that conversation Lucy says we must know two men who are single and attractive two men who are single (laughs) (laughs) two men boy and a dog Sounds every like a Saturday conversation night. I have with all of my lady friends. Yes. I mean, Constantly. can you think of two men who are single and attractive who you and straight who you know right now? No, I can't. Because you'd be dating them. They're in di- I can think of two. They're, they live in different cities. Right? Like, it's just clearly the female dating problem has always persisted. Yeah. And it will continue to persist. And it always gets laughs, guys. <laughs> it's hilarious. Sad but true. Well, going back to things that they were like laughing at that I didn't understand were the idea that they like couldn't possibly leave the house without dates. Like <laughs> Right, they can't go to the Copacabana. Is Even the men role? can't. Like the men were like, We need to have dates to spy on our wives and I'm like, Do I you know? go any I couldn't go to Ralph's if I we like would right now, apparently, we starve ever, because I don't have a date. So. That would be really sad for us. So um, the Copacabana, though, is like a very historic nightclub, though. Mm-hmm. It's been around, I think, since 1940. It was always like a hot spot. I would like to go to there. We're looking for dates to the Copacabana. Yeah, so please just like tweet get at, at us, us. Tweet at us, Facebook us, Instagram us. And if you're in New York or willing to travel <laughs> and want to go to the Copacabana. Copacabana. <laughs> then we get to the point where they're both going through their address books. She just starts booty calling all of her exes. I was so impressed with that because I'm like, I can't even text like someone who I like or even like a friend who I just met. Like I'm very apprehensive and she's just calling them out of the blue. They're like, if they're single, they're not. not. (laughs) One's a grandpa. None of them are. (laughs) When she was into older men, as she mentioned. 
An interesting older man. Interesting older man. Also, like, and, and again, it's just because it's, like, out of context, but it seems like she doesn't even have to call him to know that he's babysitting his, his grandson. <laughs> oh, that's what he does on, on Saturdays. Uh, like, oh, she's kept in touch with him. But is this, I was trying to think because it seems so familiar to me, the going through your address book, trying mm-hmm. to find a date. Well, I feel like, like the, the, little, little black book. the Little Black Book is such a male thing, so that we're seeing a woman go through her past conquests is, like, kind of edgy. So I think this address book trope uh, is used um, often and uh, gets called on in more, more modern pop culture. And an example I found recently was the in an episode of Friends when Phoebe and Joey are trying to set each other up on dates. It's the first episode we meet Mike. Uh, oh, Joey's yeah. looking for a date and he starts going through his address book. Why did I have to say Mike? I don't know Mike. Why couldn't I have said... There's no guys in there! <laughs> So it's not a direct reference, right. but it is still using an address book to make a joke. Yeah, for sure. Isn't there a movie called Little Black Book which focuses on this? Something like that. They like she takes his little black book. And I don't remember. Or she goes through. I don't remember it. But that Maybe was a thing. Guys, can we oh, sure get us the the plot of Little Black Book, please? <laughs> in 140 characters. This is important. <laughs> like they're in our phones. Like we carry our little black books with us all the time, which is. I actually have one. Uh, you have a physical <laughs> little black book. Do you just like write accounts of your hookups in there? It is very deep in my MacBook Pro, but it exists. So next topic. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so while she's making these calls, uh, when she gets that child on the phone and she says, don't call your daddy to the phone, and then she says, Paisan, what does that I mean? Let's talk about racism. Paisan? I was like, It's an Italian thing because his name was Sam Zabioni. It is? I'm Italian. You are. Tell us how you feel about it. Paisan meaning Italian. Shout out to Google. Paisan, among people of Italian or Spanish descent, a fellow countryman or friend. Urban Dictionary 2005 says it's a word used with Italians or Italian Americans when informally but friendly addressing one another. Not in your family? Uh, We've never used it, uh, despite being an Italian family, but my ancestors may be turning over in their graves. It doesn't make any sense in the context she says it in. They, like, clearly thought they were being so edgy. We've evolved past that, I think. For sure. Maybe we're all just a little too woke for this (laughs) moment in our legacy. Shout out to my favorite woke bro, Mark Ruffalo. I'm just going to shout out all my various boyfriends. This one goes out to you, Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) Please listen to this podcast. (laughs) Please please tweet me. So then they both call Ginny Jones, Mm -hmm. and they come up at, Lucy comes up with the brilliant idea to pretend to be dates, and then they show up in possibly offensive disguises. The people in the South are not happy. Yeah, as rural. Like bumpkins? They look like hillbillies. Yeah. They look, Lucy has some of her teeth blacked out. Yes. She has her hair hair and pigtails. Like, why can't Ethel hold up her own head? Why is it resting (laughs) on an umbrella? She's mall. And she's supposed to be Lucy's mom. Yes. We cut to the two men in their weird suits where Fred's Fred's wearing a tuxedo, which, like, good on him. Ricky's wearing the weirdest tie I've ever seen. It looks like a mustache. They were so excited. What would have actually happened if two broads showed up? What was going to happen? That's the thing that I'm concerned about. You know, that is a good point because the men were aware they were, the ladies were going to get dates. And they just couldn't let that stand. But... I mean, it seems like the ladies just wanted partners to dance with, and the men were like, we need dates, and that, it just seems wrong to me. 
And Fred was, like, whistling. He was very, he was too excited, and that's what made it wrong. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. But Ricky, on the other hand, was not as excited. He was kind of second-guessing it, too. Ricky's in love. And it's so sweet. So she reaches for the cigarettes, Ricky figures it out, and then the tag, they end up at the fights. I know. But, <laughs> yeah, the girls are in their their nice jewels and their furs, looking elegant in a group of rowdy men at a fight. They look amazing. <laughs> I'm bummed I didn't go to the Copacabana. Poor Ethel needs to get, like, one good thing in her life. I think it's Eunice is her, like, alter ego when she's dressed up. When Lucy's coming at Ricky, mm-hmm. some, like, really choice one-liners that I enjoyed were, that was beautiful, let's neck. Oh, yeah, she kept saying let's <laughs> neck, which, is that a phrase she would have normally used, or was she kind of ne- being a country bumper? Yeah, necking, yeah. I think it's just maybe crass for back then. If she said it's a hockey. The way she said the word neck was just amazing. And what's the other word? Oh, come on, kiss me, kiss me right now. Like, the joke seems to be, like, and this is me as a 2016 feminist, being like, what we're laughing at is... Oh, how dare an unattractive woman have any sexual desire? Yeah, and aside from her disguise not being like prosthetic makeup that makes her look mm-hmm. completely different, they're like you love this person and you kiss them willingly often anyway. So why would a one bad wig put you off so so much? I guess they don't role play. <laughs> guess not. <laughs> Ricky does get saved a little bit if you consider the fact that maybe he was so uncomfortable because he. Didn't, didn't want to kiss any, anyone other than Lucy. Aww. They are the, the ultimate goals. <laughs> so typical women at the time uh, were moms, and Lucy's not one, um, but the examples I have are June Cleaver on mm-hmm. Leave it to Beaver and Margaret Anderson on Father Knows Best, and they're proper ladies who whose only ambition was to teach their children good values. So this show is groundbreaking because Lucy has no children right. and her ambition is to be a star. And they've been, Same. They've, <laughs> well, they've also, we learned in this episode, they've been married for 11 years. Yeah. Which is like, I think that's amazing that they're, they've been married 11 years and we're not hearing people constantly be like, so when are you going to have kids? Because yeah. that's like, I feel like the trope of in a marriage without children, people for just sure. want to know. And also the fact that they got married and she was 29, which was probably ancient for back then. Definitely. Lucy, she's like kind of a contrarian in a way compared to all the other women on TV at that time. And even probably in film as well, because she's not like a femme fatale and she's not, doesn't need to be saved, you know? She's trapped in this domestic lifestyle. She's in the 50s and she needs the husband to take care of her. And that's what the premise seems to be. But then she's trying to break out of it so much. And if you consider the real Lucille Ball, who at the same time as Lucy Ricardo was also a businesswoman running a production company, starring in her own TV show, it it feels like a lot of the real Lucy is filtering in Mm -hmm. to Lucy Ricardo. It's interesting, too, to think about when they pitched the show. I remember reading in the book by Jess Oppenheimer, who was the showrunner of I Love Lucy, that how they pitched it to the networks, and I don't think it ended up being what I read from the show, but it's there, is that they pitch these these this couple, a man and a woman, who have completely opposite goals and opposite sort of ideal lifestyles for their home, where Ricky grew up in entertainment and wants nothing more than to have a normal... 1950s household and then she grew up in the midwest having that sort of idyllic life and all she wants is to be in entertainment and so these two people who are opposites attracting always sort of at odds but very much in love 
from the get-go, we see that like they are very much in love, but do not have the same ideas about almost anything. That right. leads to conflict. Exactly. <laughs> it seems like um, at the end of most episodes, this one in a way, but not exp- as explicitly as we'll see later, Lucy smacks her head against a very low glass ceiling. Today, watching it as three modern ladies and watching these reruns, should we be laughing at a woman who keeps getting smacked down by society? I mean, I think it's real. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's a good way to kind of examine the progress that we have made in 60 years. I think that we're probably laughing at different things than people back then were laughing at. Because it seems like, from everything we've read, there are people who probably find it funny that a woman would want a job. From the radio program Studio 360, which is a co-production of WNYC Radio and PRI, they did an episode called American Icons, colon, I Love Lucy. In it, a woman named Gina Barreca, who studies feminist theory, has a quote about how I Love Lucy is displaying feminism, and the quote is, anytime a woman does something besides make a cooing noise and washing a dish, she's making a feminist gesture. And Emily Nussbaum, who's a writer for The New Yorker, she takes the sort of opposite view in saying that Lucy shrieks, wheedles, whines, she gets spanked and humiliated. So there is a way to view this in, in where we understand why it's not feminist for our time, but I think it's feminist in its own time. For sure. Yeah, I think there'll be moments that we sort of disagree with how Lucy is behaving or kind of bump on it, and we'll just have to, you know, we'll talk about it when it comes up. For sure. Yeah, but I mean, compared to all the other women usually portrayed from that time period, Lucy's on a whole nother level, so that's something. Definitely. Lucy cool. Ricardo, and then... Lucille Ball on an yes. even higher level. All Lucy's involved. Let's talk about our modern Lucy's on TV right now. I will credit Jeff Greenstein, who was also interviewed on Studio 360's episode, who cited Tina Fey's 30 Rock character. Mm. And I think that's a very, almost a direct but modern comparison of a childless woman who has ambition to be in the same industry in yeah. entertainment except she ended up being successful because it is a different time and women can get as far as Tina Fey's character gets, Liz Lemon. And then she's still confronted with a lot of the same issues Lucy faced, like glass ceiling issues and you know her staff not respecting her in the way that society doesn't always respect Lucy. So there's definitely, I think, moments that we'll see a little bit of Liz Lemon. Liz Lemon's a great example, just in in terms of talking about the lack of vanity. That's a character who is not at all about her outward appearance, which is a defining quality in... Lucy clearly does like to feel glamorous at times, but that is not her endgame. That's just part of her life. So I think that's a great analog. Yeah. That wraps up our recap of the pilot episode of I Love Lucy. Please tune in next week when we cover episode four, which is... That one is Lucy Thinks Ricky is Trying to Kill Her. So you can follow us at We Love Lucy Pod on Twitter and We Love Lucy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also email us if you have any Lucy questions at welovelucypod at gmail.com. Shout out to our friend Brandon at the Guitar Center who helped us with some of our sound equipment. To our friend Christian who we met on Craigslist and sold us a mixer. To our friends David Marks and Caitlin Oates who made our promo photos possible. And all of our friends, family, and employers who have been supportive and advised us on this endeavor. Oh, and shout out to the Fairfax branch of the Los Angeles Public Library for giving us our Lucy books. Okay, Lucy's.